Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by one of our favorite products, Almond Cow. We've been using it for well over a year, and I say we, mostly my husband, Mark, who is mooing. Honey, what are your thoughts about Almond Cow? <laughs> this is the Moo Man. He's back. <laughs> I love the Almond Cow because we know how great it is. Anything that you could can make a plant-based milk with, you're set. And I just have it. I don't need to make, make that much. It's just sitting in the pantry. And then when we're ready, I just make it. It takes a minute. Because it, it tastes so good. It tastes so good. And... For those of you who are thinking about it, let me tell you why. There, there are no added preservatives, any kind of artificial stuff. You put in it what you want. You can sweeten it to your taste. It is so easy to make, so easy to clean up, and it's pure gold. It really is. And they give you a lot of recipes on the Almond Cow website. You have the recipe, so you don't have to think, you don't have to go anywhere to find it. It's there for you. Yes, we love it so much. So if you're interested in getting your own, go check out the link or just go to their site, almondcow.co, and you can use code Lara, L-A-R-A, for extra savings. Go get yourself one and have fun. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer with delight and fun and our own opinions. <laughs> I'm joined as always with, by my beautiful, lovely friend and co-host, lit teacher extraordinaire, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. I think we got a good... Good episode coming up, so stay tuned. Oh, always, always. We can do this all day. Coffee talk, coffee talk. Okay. So um, at ozyoga.co.uk says, why do you think it is that you could have two people the same age with hyperlordosis, for example, one of them goes through life with no pain, and yet the other has been suffering with chronic back pain or hip pain for years? Dun, da da you know, I think this is something that a person on Instagram who says posture doesn't matter would jump on. See, I told you, posture doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the position of the pelvis is because it doesn't cause pain, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I mean, I think it, that the studies have shown that posture, there is no direct, direct correlation. But we got to look at more than just posture. So they've got a hyperlordotic spine. Um, and they're, you know, but what, what are they doing throughout the day? How, how, how are they moving? Um, a lot of people think about people who have disabilities, let's say who have, um, cerebral palsy or, you know, spina bifida and they, they walk with a very abnormal, I mean, dramatically abnormal gait pattern. They're not guaranteed to have back pain because if they are, you know, really working to, de to develop strength, to develop, you know, proper movement habits, 
you know, they are really put in a position where they have to put, they have to do the work to not develop pain just based on what they're dealing with in their, in, in their, you know, diagnosis. So just because someone has a lordotic spine doesn't mean they're going to have pain. It's, it's much deeper than that. So if they're having hip pain as well, you know, you have to look and say, what's causing that? It's more than just a lordotic spine. We need to look at what's happening in their neck and their upper back. We need to look at what's happening all the way down at the foot. You know, we need to look at seat right to left. You know, how are they moving? What are their movement patterns that aren't serving them? Because it's going to show up. We can, we will probably see that that person who's having pain um, doesn't have very strong gluteals. They may not have very strong abdominals. They may not have very strong hip flexors, you know, because they're sort of pitched forward. Well, so is the other person, but what are they doing in their daily life? Well, that other person B is not sitting at a, at a desk all day long, or that other person B, you know, is is going and and moving in multiple planes in in different ways. So, you know, I think this is another case of where people people can become very attached to diagnoses. I mean, I've got a mild scoliosis. No one knows about that unless I happen to bring it up because it's just so what, you know, so what? Yeah, I've got a slight forward head, you know, just from I've got a long neck. I didn't think about posture for most of my life, but I don't have neck pain per se. Why? Because I'm I'm cognizant of where I put myself. And so I find myself drawing back in space throughout my day to combat how my body is set up. I've got bow legs, but I don't have hip pain. I don't, you know, have have knee issues because of my bow legs, because I do other things to to circumvent pain. So pain is output from your brain. It is a, it's it's like Lara talks. It's information. It's your body saying something needs to change in the way you're moving. And that is uh, many times not directly related to how your posture, your spine is. I don't want to say, you know, how your spine is naturally made because some people you come, you basically, I don't know about made. I think a lot of this is nature nurture. You know, you look at babies when they're sitting (laughs) in their toddler years they are, are almost everybody is as erect as can be. You know, we learn how to position. You look, you can watch a mother and a daughter walking. They walk the same way. Same thing with fathers and sons and fathers. And, you know, we learn a lot from our, our parents. So just the position of the spine alone is not going to be enough to dictate pain. Laura, what else do you have to add to that? Oh, this could be such a big conversation, but I think the big thing take home here is that posture is one ingredient of a very large pot. So posture can reveal quite a few things. It can reveal some biomechanical tendencies, some energy efficiency or lack thereof, how you're breathing. Um, But yeah, there's so much more. Like how are those people? So it's cellular too, right? So that person who looks the same and might seem like, oh, they're so, you know, lumbar lordosis is only going to be a problem or cervical lordosis is only going to be a problem if there's compression over time. But hey, maybe that person's like really happy in life. 
Their cellular happiness is better. They're lower stress because pain, again, is very kind of runs the same pathway as stress. We need stress. Remember, stress is good until it's not. But if you're kind of constantly stressing yourself at a cellular level, meaning how you're eating, moving, not moving, drinking, you know, uh, feeling at home in your body, your relationships. I mean, it's so complex. So, you know, again, you can have somebody who's like deliriously happy and you're like, how are they even moving? I've seen that. Like, wow. And they don't complain of anything. So it does show you that there's many things that load. And so when you, we don't, we're not reductionist when we talk about posture. Posture is like, the envelope that opens up all these different inquiries. You know, it's like when you go somewhere and you get that questionnaire and it's like, if you answer yes to this, go here. If you answer no to this. And it, then it's like, it just like exponentially opens up. And that's kind of like what posture is doing. It is giving us a visual a um, idea of how somebody might be inhabiting their ecosystem. But then the ecosystem may or may not be impacted dramatically by it. So I have people who have lordosis, don't have low back pain, but low energy, fogginess in their head. Is that from the position? I don't know. We aren't saying A equals B. We're saying, let's try this. Let's set them up so they're breathing better, so they're feeling more space between the cervical spine and the bottom of the brainstem, which is responsible for life, you know? And if we do that, does something change? We're not going to take credit for it. What we're just trying to do is help people. So we give them all the tools that might help, that have been shown to help, and some have not, you know, have not been scientifically proven. I always feel like I get on here and I'm like ready to roll. But I feel like it's it's part of our human nature to want a black and white schematic do this. Don't do this. You know, like you see it on social media, big X. I try and avoid that because it's not binary. It's not that simple. And isn't that amazing? We are not cookie cutter. We're engineered similarly, but our output is very different. And there's a lot that goes into that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So there's very expansive answer. And you know, I, I go back to my dad. My dad smoked for 30, almost 45, what am I talking about? 45 years. And he lived to 79. There's many people who would have died at 60. He never had cancer. Like cellularly, he was a happy dude. He had low stress, even though he had a high stress job, but he was really balanced. I believe that that helped him. It isn't to say people that, you know, have a, a a disease or pain or something doesn't mean they're not happy. I'm just saying there's many things and we have to look at the the stress in people's lives, their lifestyle, how much they're moving or not moving, et cetera. All right. Yes. Laura got very excited in that. That's why I, I started laughing because you could just look at her face. and she. I was- know because I, I love you all. And I know because we all want those answers. And mm-hmm. I think, but isn't it amazing? We just have to have faith that we do what we can to we do really as much as we can to take care of ourselves and to balance out, to create homeostasis from a cellular level out. So we go really deep. You can't just walk around with great posture 
and be a mean person and have stress and eat crappy and and whatever to like it's you know it all goes together <laughs> Hi, friends. I'm reminding you we have an upcoming Lit Europe tour, and we would love for you to join us. Whether you live in Europe or not, get on to these workshops. Maybe travel with us and go from one place to another. I mean, we're going to Paris. We're going to Frankfurt, Germany. Then we're heading to Salzburg, Austria. We're going to have the best time, and we would love to see you. There's nothing like an in-person workshop experience to fine-tune your movement, get some real educational nuggets for better movement on and off the mat. And by the way, we have the best time together. We would love to give you a hug and help you move your best and feel your best. So join us in Europe this summer. Check out the show notes for all the details. All right. Got a question. Here we go. Um, Ischial bursitis. A friend of my husband's has this. They are kayakers and train four to five days a week. He's in extreme pain. Any suggestion? Lots of rest, but anything else you can recommend? This is such a, first of all, this is a tough diagnosis. It's a, it's another one of those. You want to explain of, a little bit so people know yeah, what, yeah. So what you're, ischium. You're, yes. You, you know, you've got your, your ischium is part of your pelvis. And, and it's at the base of the pelvis. And you have your ischial tuberosities, which are what we call the sit bones in, in um, yoga. You hear that a lot. And so your hands, so several muscles, but mainly your hamstrings and your adductors kind of, they attach at that ischial tuberosity. And so where you have a lot of attachments, you will have fluid filled sacs called bursa that kind of imagine that being like a little bit of a, they provide a little glide because, because the the body knows that those are going to be areas of tension. And so we don't want those tendons rubbing against bones. So we give it a little bit of a, like a, like a, just a little fluid filled, like a little pillow for the, for the, like your pillow on your bed. And so the reason I call this kind of a junk term is we don't know if the bursa is inflamed. I mean, there's a lot, we've come a long way with diagnostic abilities. There is guided ultrasound. There's all of this, you know, MRI that, you know, we can see if, if, a, if a tendon is thickened, if there's, you know, but, but, but we really never know, you know, what stage of healing or injury someone's in. We can look at the fact that they're a kayaker. So let's think about the position. So if you never kayaked, you're basically in a long sitting position, which puts your legs out in front of you. There's a little bend in your knees and then you're upright and then, you know, you're moving with the oars. So there's a lot of weight going right through those ischial tuberosities, that through the sit bones. Um, so that's one way that you can have irritation. You know, we see this with people who... Um, let's say have a hip replacement and they have to lie on actually the other side all the time. Well, they start to develop trochanteric bursitis on that, which is in the outer edge of the hip because they're weight bearing through that side all the time. We see it with people in their, um, you know, their Achilles, people get Achilles tendon, you know, anywhere there's friction. So the tough part is you got someone who's a kayaker who also sits all day at work. This is like the double whammy of let's just put 
as much pressure through a specific area as possible. You know, so I would look at this person is not going to want to change their lifestyle. They love kayaking. Perhaps they're even really good at it. It's, just, it's their sport. We need to look at what they're doing out of the boat. Um, and we need to look at ways that they can, you know, sometimes we need increased strength of those tendons around there. So they might need to do some eccentric work of the of the hamstring, of the adductor. But that's a fine line to walk because um, sometimes that can aggravate it even more. My point being, this can be one of my most frustrating diagnoses to treat anything around that ischial tuberosity because we <laughs> it's part of your pelvis. And so people have habitually, most people, very few people habitually walk around with a neutral pelvis. Mm-hmm. So we get tilts usually in the anterior, but occasionally in the posterior. So we're already kind of set into this movement pattern of tension on that ischial tuberosity at the tendons, at the bursa there. So for this person, I would start at what they're doing out of the boat. You can absolutely look at, you know, how their boat is set up. I don't know enough about that. Not even going to claim that I do. Um, But you can also look at, you know, how much thoracic mobility they have. Are they moving because they can't move in their trunk well? Are they just like a like a matchstick rubbing at the ischium, especially if they're like me and they've got a bony butt, you know, I can't. There are some things in like yoga, like the rock and roll that I just can't do because I got a bony tailbone. I got bony. I'm better now that I've got bigger glutes. But, you know, it's just it is what it is. So I'm going to stop there. Laura, what else do you have to say to that? I mean, I agree with you. This is like a real conundrum because the very thing you love doing and you're doing so much uh, is exacerbating it. And there's no kind of middle ground. I don't think you can get off your ischium, your ischial tuberosities to kayak. I don't think you can do it in kneeling position or anything. But I, I really love what you said about thoracic rotation because if you don't have that in the movement of the kayak, you could be very well just swiveling on the pelvis. And, and that is uh, grinding into that area. So f- for one, y- I would say like if somebody came to me, because I've never wanted to take something away, but I'm like, you're going to have to let it go for a little bit. Um, it's like running. If somebody comes and they have Achilles tendonitis and they're like, I, I need to get running again. I'm like, you have to let it go for a little bit to think of long term. Because some of these areas, one, yeah, once you've just like, you know, like just irritated the crap out of them it's going to be hard to um it's it's going to be hard to undo that without taking away some time where you are doing it so you need to work on thoracic rotation you got to work on getting extension in your spine um getting your posterior chain more strengthening like you said so i'm imagining like some quadruped and some cobra and some really like position of the neck like what is all of those things um so i think something like our reset would be amazing to do and then maybe take away one day so you've got some space so you're saying four days a week can you do it three days you know where you've got like one day you take a couple days off and you're doing something very different you've got to move in all these different planes because you are just sitting in the very position that most of us in a modern day life are stuck in. And it's, it's so we've taken away this 
experience of uh, mobilizing our joints in all the ways they need to. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's really tough because bursitis is you have to uh, you have to unload it. Otherwise, that that little you're gonna feel like you're sitting on like life preservers, <laughs> so, and it hurts. All right, but yeah, we are not kayaking experts. So I mean, I've worked with rowers. It's not this. I think kayakers are even stuck in there more because they have to be. Um, so you better work on that rotation. And I think working on an upward lift when you're sitting, like how do you use your pelvic floor contents to get lifted up into the spine and then freely rotate so you're not kind of down and compressed even more. Okay, Martha, um, I love the podcast. How do you and KB release stress? You both seem so cheery. That must be, is that a British thing? No, I say cheery, cheery. But I imagine you must have some stress. Hmm. Oh, I absolutely have stress. First of all, I think that as far as the cheeriness goes, um, I have found in my life, happiness begets happiness. So like I, I have learned how much more effort it takes to be, I wouldn't say to be sad. Sadness is a different thing, but to be negative takes so much more energy than just to be a positive person. And I find that just makes me happier. So I do try to, um, you know, really, and this is even my own self-talk. You know, if I find myself talking to myself negatively, I'm like, stop, girl, you know, like, why am I doing that? I also tend to, when I'm feeling stressed, I remove myself from the situation. And that could be body stress. So let's say if my knees are bothering me or my back's bothering me, you know, I will do something else. Um, I, I am not a, a sedentary person for the most part, but there are days where my body is saying to me, you just need to take a day off. Um, I almost never take a day off of exercise. Actually, I would argue I never take a day off of exercise unless I'm sick. Um, but I will modulate the intensity of it. Um, you know, I don't do meditation. I don't do breath work. But I do think that I know my 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 um, my inclinations well enough to. And I've done a lot of therapy and things like that that have helped me along the way, just to know how to avoid or manage stressful situations. So reading, I, you guys know, most people know, I just, I love to read. Um, music, we'll, uh, we'll do that. I'm not a big TV person, but, you know, getting outside in the sunshine, like some vitamin D goes a long way. Talking to good friends, you know, and surrounding myself with people who are genuinely happy. Like that's why Laura and I think gravitate towards each other because we're both pretty darn easygoing and yeah, we have our moments, but it's a no. It's like no drama. Mm -hmm. Laura, what else do you have to say about that? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I don't feel like um, I have to purposefully release stress very often because, like KB, I to me this mindful movement that is strong, that is centered, that is clarifying it it does everything it it fortifies and it also allows uh you know this un untethering of anything that might be accumulating so i think for a lot of people stress comes from like you we talk about like the you know like you're about to burst what is this what's the whole thing 
the saying like burst your um steam kettle know. like you're gonna oh pop, yeah blow your you. top basically. blow your top that's it see i don't even know the term but it, it's because it's cumulative and the times i have felt like i needed to really really stress the most um and i you know and i and i was still moving a lot uh i just tried to move a little bit more in nature just walking in nature is almost always a reset for me and it can be 10 minutes it's just all of a sudden i'm just like oh yeah this is really whatever i thought was a big deal cuz usually stress is like it's too many things to manage and then i'm not you know whatever i i i'm pretty gentle on myself and i think i'm pretty gentle with others and that's uh, even though I have a high standard, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just think that, yeah, uh, I just, I, I think again, you attract the people. Like if you look in your life, if you're asking this for yourself, like who makes you feel cheery, like be around more of those people, you know, that feeling, I, I, I know that feeling when I'm around people and they're complaining or they're like talking about somebody else. And it, it just, I feel like dirty. Like, I'm just like, Ooh, I want to scrub that off. Well, that's energy. Like, I just don't want that on me. So I think, yeah, be selective about who you're around, but yeah, movement helps. Um, and just remembering having perspective, like we're here for such a short time on, in, in, um, on this planet. And it's like, how do we want to spend our days? And if so remove some of the things that are as much as possible, accumulating that, and take care of you. Because when you take care of you, I think that's the thing, unapologetically, because really nobody else nobody else is going to do it. Like, really take care of you, and then you will find more of that balance, um, and then you're going to be better for other people. So That's so important. I mean, I think I've, I have done that my whole life. Like I, I have, too. I think we're, that's, we're so similar in that way, and it's always, um, yeah, maybe it's growing up with brothers. I don't know what it is, but it's like that was never, like, even – you know, that was always something that was number one. But I see that a lot of people don't prioritize that. And I'm like, take something else off your plate, but don't take your self-care, your movement, the things that you need to balance you out, because that yeah. is the way you're going to stay, you know, really uh, calm and good. And, and really, right, again, stress is good. It makes you productive. It makes you inspired. It makes you like, uh, have vision, but then you just like, when you talk about release, like that's that accumulation. So just also do a daily check-in. Like, what am I feeling today? Am I waking up feeling angry or grumpy or just tired or like not, not like thinking about getting in bed? How, what, you know, we've all had those days where you wake up and the first thing you're like, oh, I can't wait until I get back in here tonight. I'll just get through the day. And that's like not a great feeling. Like you're just, you just want to bust through your day. So I think just keep the things, don't let them accumulate. So you like lose your shit at the end of the day or, or after a while. Um, I've had stress that was outside of my control and I could feel it in my heart. And I know for me, like, again, getting out of nature and then occasionally doing a good old primal scream. Oh my God, that's a, that's like literally letting the steam out. Some people would like that and some people might not feel comfortable, but it's really it's in our DNA to scream sometimes, not at somebody, but just to <laughs> noise is energy. And all that energy is right here. Let me get it out. So don't be afraid to go and do a good primal scream in the woods or sometimes I'll do it in my car. Uh, usually, you know, 
that's like once every two years. But there can be those moments. So uh, it's not about like trying to be cheery all the time. Just set yourself up that you're more balanced. All right, friends, we love you. We love these questions. And thank you so much for you know, giving us the time to listen to this. If you ever want to ask your own questions, which we would love, you can also ask them anonymously. Just say, please keep this anonymous. Write us at support at lityoga.com. Yep. You can also find us on Instagram. Laura is at laura.hyman and I am at kbwilliams99. You can also check out our podcast, uh, Redefining Yoga Podcast uh, Instagram page and DM us there. They will forward that to us. So, um, you know, we are so happy to answer these every it's fun for us again this brings us joy so i think mm-hmm. you pick up on, on um how much it makes we us cheery it. it makes us quite cheery that's in, that's indeed well we love you as always we're pulling, we're pulling for you, you.